0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Burn Your Draft, an exploration of the Reed College Senior Thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Frank Tangerlini, and this week we'll be talking with Nick Thayer. It might be hard to understand the proteins that comprise DNA. Here to talk about his work on annotating protein sequences of DNA is Nick Thayer. Uh,
1: My name is Nick Thayer. I grew up in San Francisco, California. Uh, I was, am, was a biology major, and I submitted my thesis earlier today.
2: Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. What was the title of your thesis?
1: The title was Intraspecific Variation in DNA Polymerases in Daphnia Magna.
2: Wow. Okay. (laughs) So what's that about?
1: Um, It is about, uh, so I guess we had two two major tasks, the first being uh, finding genes in a new model organism. Um, So the genes for DNA polymerases are pretty well described throughout the domains of life already, but no one has found them in Daphnia magna. So I was the first to do that. And the second was to describe the amount of nucleotide level variation in these genes between Daphnia individuals.
2: Cool. What is Daphnia magna?
1: Daphnia magna is an aquatic microcrustacean um, they're these little, they're about a millimeter long, they have these uh, weird outer shells, uh, like an insect, but they're not insects, uh, called a carapace, and they, they're kind of hollow bodied, you can see right through them, and they kind of swim in these really weird jerky little motions, <laughs> um, and they live in basically all aquatic environments all over the earth.
2: How were you able to test their genes? Like, What was the process for that?
1: My thesis advisor has been researching daphnia for a long time, and she has whole genome sequences for a lot of different daphnia in her lab. She has whole genome sequences, but they're not annotated at all. So they're just long strings of nucleotides, and no one knows what each stretch of nucleotides does.
2: Cool. So were you working on figuring out what those nucleotides do?
1: Very, very small portions of those nucleotides. Yeah. So I, I looked in other uh, organisms that were more or less closely related to Daphnia magna, mostly Drosophila melanogaster, fruit flies, where DNA polymerase genes have already been described. And so I took the gene sequences from Drosophila and I uh, did what's called a homology search in the Daphnia whole genome sequences to find where those genes were in the Daphnia genomes.
2: Could that be turned into anything else, or is it just figuring out those genomes?
1: This project has the potential to be a starting point for a lot of different projects down the line. Broadly, uh, this process of homology searching and finding specific genes in a Daphnia genome is part of a much larger process called genome annotation. Uh, which is when biologists talk about whole genome sequencing, there are two major components. First, there's the actual sequencing of the genome. And then the second part is actually figuring out what each portion does. Um, and those, those two parts are about equally hard. And I was working on the second one. Uh, so we have a lot of whole genome sequences of Daphnia, but it's kind of just a jumble. So this project could be the starting point of a fully annotated Daphnia magnet genome. It could also be uh, the starting point for a lot of different biochemical and genetic studies of Daphnia or of crustaceans in general.
2: That's cool. Who was your thesis advisor? Sarah Schock. So, what made you choose this topic?
1: I have been researching with Sarah um, and her postdoc on and off for a few years. Um, so, I know them both pretty well and have worked with Daphnia a little bit already. Uh, so, I was already a little bit uh, interested in some of the topics related to this. Um, specifically, within evolutionary genomics, Sarah mostly studies uh, mutations and mutation rates. So, basically, over a certain amount of a certain number of generations within one species, how many mutations accumulate in the genome and what type of mutations are they that accumulate? Um, and so Uh, One of the things that can cause mutations to arise is DNA polymerase mistakes The DNA polymerases are the proteins that copy Genomes um, so that cells can divide and meiosis can happen organisms can reproduce etc etc and sometimes uh, those proteins make mistakes Um, It's very rare They um, it varies between species, but in general um mutations arise in genomes at a rate of about one mutation per 10 billion nucleotides (laughs) so it's pretty rare but it's a it's a really interesting problem Um, so I when Sarah and I were talking about writing a thesis together I came to her mostly with a lot of experience a lot compared to Sarah in biochemistry Sarah doesn't know anything about biochemistry, uh, but is really interested in it. Uh, she knows a lot about genomics, but I don't know anything about genomics. Um, so we decided it would be a cool project to investigate these proteins and uh, try to understand how they impact Daphnia on the kind of evolutionary mutation level.
2: How did you start working with Sarah?
1: I actually uh, I had a friend uh, in our first year at Reed also uh, she was also a bio major and she started volunteering in Derek's lab and it sounded really cool and I was jealous of (laughs) her and so I went and asked Sarah if I could volunteer in her lab and it was really fun. I worked with Sarah the summers after my first and third years at Reed as well and did some plant research with her postdoc.
2: So uh, what was the outcome of your project and was it what you expected it would be when you started?
1: Surprisingly, it was actually very much along the lines of what we expected. It was much smaller than what we expected and a much uh, shorter and less expansive thesis than we expected because science happens and um, the coronavirus pandemic uh, certainly made lab work more difficult. But it was it was pretty much along the same lines of what we wanted it to be. So, The biggest thing that got the ax um, is a lab work component that we wanted to do where uh, we were also going to add in to this project kind of a physiological component. So on the one hand, we were investigating the genetics and biochemistry of DNA polymerases. And then we also wanted to look at reactive oxygen species uh, within Daphnia cells. Um, as another potential cause of mutation um, so we wanted to kind of get a more holistic understanding of what's causing mutations so we didn't get to do that because I put off that lab work for successfully put it off for about six months and I was actually planning to do it about three days after Reed announced that they were going to close campus.
2: Oh, wow. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you yeah. try to stick around at all?
1: I did not. Sarah uh Sarah shut down the lab uh, really really quickly after that announcement. Um so from Reed's perspective I actually could have stayed and done it but Sarah wasn't having it. So.
2: That makes sense. Yeah. It, that definitely put the axe to part of your uh thesis, but did you were you able to like salvage a conclusion or a analysis still?
1: Yeah. So um What we did end up doing was, um, first of all, kind of a a review of DNA polymerases in general. And uh, kind of in one of my thesis chapters, I I review the enormous diversity that is seen in DNA polymerases throughout the domains of life, Um, which is really, really interesting, uh, especially to Sarah as an evolutionary biologist, um, because one would think that these proteins um, would not vary very much uh, because they're so essential to all of biology. It, uh, an evolutionary biologist would would um, assume that in theory these genes wouldn't change very much because any change is very likely to uh, significantly damage an organism, but that's not what we see. There is an incredible amount of diversity in DNA polymerases Um, so that was kind of the first, uh, finding that didn't apply directly to, uh, uh, Daphnia Magna at all. Um, and then the second finding was that even within, so Sarah has nine, uh, Sarah has nine different genotypes of Daphnia in her lab, um, and genotypes are just closely related, um, uh, lineages of Daphnia and three of those genotypes were collected from one lake in Finland, three were collected from a lake in Germany, and three from a lake in Israel. Wow. I think those countries were chosen because Sarah has friends there who also researched Daphnia. I'm not sure, but that's where they're from. Um, so we wanted to look at um, how these genes uh, differed between Daphnia Um, as a function of how closely related they were as well. And we found out that they actually vary a lot, even within the genotypes. Um, They're not, the proteins and genes aren't unrecognizable, but there are, um, I actually ended up only doing a subsampling of each gene. So I sampled from each, there are a lot of DNA polymerase genes, which in itself is, a big finding in Daphne, I found uh, fifteen DNA polymerase genes, um, and um, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, um, I found multiple. Um, oh yeah, I only did a subsampling of the genes. So for each gene, I only ended up um, sampling between four and sixty percent of the gene because of challenges that we ran into with. Um, the whole genome sequences um, but even sampling between 4 and 60 percent of the genes I found multiple sites where uh, not only are there mutations in the gene, but those mutations are non synonymous meaning that they actually change the protein structure uh, which is a pretty big finding uh, because it means that some of these Daphnia genotypes may be more or less able to replicate their DNA quickly or faithfully or at the appropriate times. Uh, so we don't know specifically what those changes do, unfortunately, uh, but that is another uh, potential future project that could arise out of this thesis. Um, and even, even the really small um, percentage of variation that we found within or between the Daphnia genotypes um, is really, really surprising and exciting.
2: Do you plan on continuing any of the work that you've been doing?
1: I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I want to. Um, there's, there's definitely a lot there. Um, I'm really interested in kind of the link between the genetics and the biochemistry side of it. Um, and I think it'd be really cool to fit this project in with Sarah's larger project of studying mutation rates. Um, So another thing that we wanted to do uh, when we first set out on this project in October was to, so Sarah knows the mutation rates of all nine of her genotypes. Um, And so we wanted to try to correlate differences in DNA polymerases with differences in mutation rates. And so we wanted to try and say, oh, well, we see that this amino acid is different in this one genotype, and it also has more of type X, Y, or Z of mutations, and that's a possible cause for this. Or this DNA repair polymerase is uh malfunctioning and that's why this line has a higher mutation rate. Uh we didn't get to do that, but I think it'd be really cool too in the future.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a cool project. I'm hoping that Reed's labs will open back up soon.
1: Well that's the cool thing about bioinformatics. Uh you don't actually need to be in a lab. I can do all of this bioinformatically. Oh, how California. do you do that? Um all I really need is Sarah's whole genome sequences um which I have um so once I have those I can extract um based on the homology search that I was talking about before for there's uh, one DNA polymerase gene called DNA polymerase alpha so I can find for instance, the DNA polymerase alpha gene in each of the nine genotypes, and I can extract those sequences uh, from each genotype and isolate it as one complete gene sequence. And then I can compare that gene sequence among the nine genotypes. And then I can also do it for DNA polymerase delta, epsilon, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't actually need to do any lab work. Um, I can sit here in my house and program
2: nice (laughs) so you said that there was some challenges with the sequencing or with the genomes did you face any or encounter any other unexpected challenges or could you talk a little bit more about what that challenge was
1: one of the problems uh, that one can run into uh, when acquiring a whole genome sequence is assembly when you sequence a genome you don't you don't just take a whole chromosome and read it base pair by base pair basically that's just not how sequencing works Um, what happens is you take a whole genome and also there are multiple chromosomes in daphnia cells Um, what happens is the dna is all chopped up into tiny little chunks and those tiny and the the chunks range from about 50 base pairs to, I want to say, three or 500 base pairs. It depends on the sequencing method, but they're compared to the hundreds of millions of base pairs in the Daphnia genome. They're really small chunks, and those small chunks are what are sequenced. And so that sequencing process is actually somewhat simple because they're small chunks of DNA. But what's complicated then is the complicated computer science task of figuring out what order those reads go in. And, and the, the process of going from all of your many, many millions of short reads to a completely assembled genome is called the assembly process. And as you get, as you um, achieve bigger and bigger chunks of assembled chromosomes, the harder and harder it gets to find how those big pieces fit together. And so basically, uh, a lot of these genes, just by chance, because there are a lot of these big chunks still remaining in these whole genome sequences, um, a lot of my genes fell on the fault lines, I guess, between two big chunks. And so I would either have the early part of one of these genes or the late part, and I wouldn't be able to find the other one. Hmm. Um, So that was one of the problems that I ran into. There were actually two different times that I thought, one of these genes was completely missing from Daphnia, which I got really excited about because that would be, or would have been a really cool find for a senior thesis. Um, That didn't happen, they're all there, for better or for worse. Yeah, there were a bunch of assembly errors that uh, were much above my pay grade. So at various times I was waiting on Sarah's numerous postdocs to help me or trying to work around these problems. Um, Because I I can't solve them. I'm not a computer scientist.
2: (laughs) Did you learn any of the computer science technology like prior or during the thesis process?
1: I took Intro CS and I failed out of algorithms and data structures. So (laughs) I know very basic programming and I was actually very pleased to find out that I actually remembered a decent amount of that. Um, In January, uh, I took intro CS a year and a half ago um, and I actually remembered a decent amount of it so that was really helpful um, because doing bioinformatics manually is worse than a headache. Uh, There were times when I had thousands and thousands of files um, that I had to um, process Um, so I was very grateful to uh, have retained some programming ability. That being said Um, No, I am not a computer scientist. I did not and do not know what I was doing. Um, Anyone who does know computer science would probably retch on seeing my code, but it was good enough, I guess.
2: What skills do you think you acquired or strengthened during this experience?
1: Definitely programming, like I was saying, um, thinking about evolution, um, I would say, uh, was one of the bigger skills I gained, uh, thinking about things on uh, large time scales, um, I think is, is really interesting. And I did that a lot during this thesis, um, thinking about how these proteins and genes evolve over time and how they differ between species and why they differ. Also thinking about genomics, um, I didn't really have any exposure to genomics before this thesis, so I, I thought it was really cool to learn how to think about really large sets of genes. Um, so this this DNA polymerases are particularly interesting because they form what's called a superfamily, which is a family of families. It basically means that there are a lot of really there are a lot of more or less closely related DNA polymerase genes. In all domains of life and I think it was really cool to kind of figure out why there are so many and why they're so different it's not a question that either I or Sarah expected to run into uh, but it is a really interesting one learning to coordinate closely with another scientist on a project was difficult and is a really important skill well on on the one hand, uh, searching the literature for more or less uh, specific topics was a skill I thought I already kind of had in hand, and I didn't. It turns out, at least for me, it's very different from like using a search engine for the internet at large. I thought it would be like the same, but it's super different. So that was cool.
2: Nice. Do you think your thesis experience will inform any aspect of that or any of your life after read?
1: Actually, I think mostly my thesis orals will inform that. I thought that I explained a lot of things in my thesis really well, and it turned out I didn't Um, because my fourth fourth reader was really lost, (laughs) which is okay. Um, This is about learning. I definitely need to figure out better what is really important in a topic and how to kind of guide somebody through a topic, whether it's my own work or not. Um, how to kind of set up a framework within which someone can understand what I'm trying to teach it is one of the skills that I was, I was working on and tried to implement in my thesis, but, uh, that's going to be really important going forward, uh, my thesis itself. Definitely uh, the experience trying to plow my way through a completely new field. It had been a little while since I had the experience of knowing absolutely nothing about a field and just kind of diving into it, which is really scary in a good way, but scary and thrilling. Um, And so remembering that better now, I think will um, help me be a better teacher next year um, so that I can kind of assuage some of those fears and play on those fears and either use them or teach better according to them
2: cool is there anything else that you want to talk about with your thesis
1: i mean i I could go on for an undue amount of time talking about my thesis uh but short (laughs) answer
2: no
0: okay well
2: thank you for talking with me about your thesis no problem
0: Thank you, Nick, for your time and for telling us about your thesis and the amount and kinds of work that went into it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again to talk to more seniors about their thesis and better understand why you'd want to burn your draft. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Frank Tangerlini. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiger. Nate Martin, staff member and alumnus, is our project manager. Music by alumnus Jack Salvucci and podcast art by alumni Henry Gotchlich and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.